Welcome back, Wheels in Motion podcast listeners. We've got an exciting two-part episode about border crossings into and out of Mexico. We went down to Laredo to interview our U.S. and Mexico customs brokerage partner, EXL. Fernando and Jorge from EXL sat down with our Director of Corporate Compliance, Jeff Antone, to dig into the details of getting your freight across the Mexico border. Our first episode digs deep into southbound crossings into Mexico and explains INCO terms. The second episode details northbound crossings into the U.S., explains the government regulations surrounding crossings, and gives a glimpse into the future of border crossing technology. There's a lot of great information in these two episodes, so we hope you stick around to listen to them both. Enjoy the show! morning. Uh, my name is Jeff Antone. I'm the Director of Corporate Compliance for Carter Logistics. And today we want to talk about border crossings into Mexico. Uh, today I have some uh, distinguished people with me, uh, Fernando Rodriguez uh, from uh, EXL. I have... Um, Paso's President, EXL Automated Solutions. Juan uh, uh, Carlos Zamudio. He's from Carter Logistics. And... Uh, Laredo, Texas. And today we're going to talk about um, our customers and clients. They're wanting more information on, on how to en enhance their supply chains in and out of Mexico. Uh, sometimes the rules can uh, be overwhelming, and uh, we're hoping to alleviate some of the fears uh, with this podcast. Um, so let's start going uh, into Mexico from the U.S. Um, to have a smooth transaction uh, with customs, what does a client need to do in order to prepare for border crossings into Mexico? Okay, well, um, this is Fernando Rodriguez. Good morning to everybody. Uh, well, it's quite important uh, for us uh, as Mexican Custom Broker to have the uh, uh, specific information uh, for us to be able to produce a customs document, and that's basically a commercial invoice. Now, uh, Mexico has very specific rules of the of the uh, particular data elements that are required to be included in that in that uh, commercial invoice. That's rule 3.1.7, and that stipulates uh, the, the, the minimum data elements that, that, that an invoice must contain. Just to name a few, um, the fiscal address of the exporter, uh, tax ID, uh, let's say um, the product description. It, it, I mean, that cannot be a part number, but it has to be a, a full description. The unit value, uh, the uh, measurement, uh, the unit of measurement, etc. So uh, you have to make sure that uh, that is not only uh, a a paper, but it has to contain the certain, I mean, those uh, specific elements that the Mexican customs law requires. And uh, that's basically what it what it uh, pretends to the commercial invoice. Now, if we want to apply benefits like like for example NAFTA, uh, of course, in advance, I mean, we must uh, receive that. That information regularly, NAFTA will be issued as a blanket, uh, and it will be issued at the beginning of the year and will cover the whole year. Uh, the NAFTA certificate will allow us to apply uh, those benefits if the if the parts are basically from uh, from this country, and uh, and if we uh, certify that 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 particular 
product and the HTS assigned to it uh, complies with that with that requirement. And um, going into Mexico, we have different input regimes. Uh, um, I can say maybe the two main uh, uh, input regimes are definite importations and uh, temporary importations. On a definite uh, importation, what it is is that we have to pay duties um, uh, in advance and we have to apply whatever um, NAFTAs or, or whatever program that might, you know, might as well apply to that. And um, according to the specific HTS or the specific classification number, um, we have to, um, you know, go back and check if there's other governmental agencies' requirements. Uh, let's say, for example, nowadays it's very common to, uh, to have uh, uh, steel products coming from uh, different countries. Uh, in Mexico, Mexico is very protective uh, of the, of the uh, uh, steel industry and uh, some other agencies will apply particular requirements. So um, just to mention a few, we have to be careful uh, upon having, uh, let's say, for example, for steel products, just to mention that uh, we need to have the mill certificate when we need to have uh, some other documents that will allow us to know the specific contents of the steel so for us to be able to classify that. It's important to know that uh, Mexican um, government at the, at the customs port of entry, they have a specific uh, devices in order to check the contents uh, of those products. So uh, if we need uh, to declare it properly, uh, fines will apply and of course uh, the importation will be detained. So uh, whatever uh, we can do before attempting to even cross the border, uh, it will be fantastic for us to have data in advance. Um, so if you're leaving your shipment or if you're releasing your shipment, let's say 24 to 48 hours in advance, uh, get in contact with your custom broker and make sure that uh, that you're providing every single document that uh, that the custom broker you know, might, as well, might as well need. It's sad to see that the shipment arrives to the border and then uh, we start digging for information, we start collecting data at that specific point in time, and that's uh, that's a waste of time. So um, commercial invoices, NAFTA certificates, uh, mill certificates for steel products, any other information that pertains to the product that might as well help us to classify the product under the Mexican HTS, that will be the, the most important things to do or, or to have. Now, the bill of lading, it's important for us to, uh, to have it uh, just to make sure as you all know, uh, Mexico Steel requires for us Mexican brokers uh, to have entities within the United States uh, to check contents uh, of the cargo bay. I know it sounds very, um, very maybe old-fashioned, but that's the way the Mexican customs uh, operates up to now. I'm hoping that the, the, you know that a change will will happen eventually, but up to now, uh, the Mexican uh, custom broker is completely uh, responsible of uh, the declaration along with the importer. So um, if we have, let's say, uh, 10 pallets uh, inside of the cargo bay, we must make sure that it's 10 pallets and, and it pertains to the product that we are describing on the commercial invoice. So those are the things we need to do uh, in the U.S. side. And maybe you might as well, you know, that why we have so many customs brokers within the, every single port of entry. And that's the reason why. So um, uh, two things, uh, information, data integrity, is crucial and of course uh, we still need to uh, you know check the products either inside of the cargo bay or if, if we can do that or we have to unload 
to make sure that we have uh, we we count that properly and uh, make sure that everything is is accounted for. Okay. Um, what about inco terms? We hear a lot about them. Can you just briefly touch on inco terms? Okay. Um, well, basically, um, the U.S. Uh, suppliers would like to steal um, own title of the of the goods within the United States, and then maybe the exchange point in which the uh, transfer of the title is, is done is done within the within the United States. Why is that? Is because uh, they would like to, if there's any discrepancy, they would like to apply it to U.S. laws instead of the Mexican laws. So what we've seen a lot uh, happening across the border is that the exchange of the title of the goods happens within the United States, either uh, at the uh, um, at the uh, port of uh, uh, origin in this case, or at the point uh, of delivery, which is Laredo, Texas in this case, or any port within the United States. Um, so basically um, that uh, inco term is quite important for us to know, first of all, because if it's uh, FCA, for example, uh, the inco term is FCA, meaning that uh, the, the, uh, the client is taking title of the goods and is taking the goods from the, from the point of origin, then we need to include those um, costs associated with that um, with that transportation from let's say from Indiana all the way to Laredo, everything every single cost that was that was done to take that that product down to Laredo, we need to we need to know so we can include that because that's a taxable item that we need to include in our declaration in Mexico. So uh, for us Mexican customer brokers, uh, knowing the income term is is basic. Um, it's, it's basic data. Or you want to mention something? Right. So it's, it's important for that dutable value cal uh, calculation. If it's an X-Works transaction, pick up at origin, let's say Dallas, Texas, or, or Indianapolis, Indiana, that's important to know because we'll know that that freight cost is not included in the dutable value as reflected on the commercial invoice, which means that for Mexican customer purposes, they need to get an idea as to what the cost of the freight was all the way to the border because that that amount uh, is going to make up that dutiable value, dutiable value that's reported to Mexican customs, the base in which the duties are paid to, to Mexican customs. So, so that's extremely, extremely important, particularly with X-Works or um, pickup at, at, uh, at origin. So okay. it's not just the inquiry term, but exactly the, the point in which the... Um, what city uh, that ankle term is associated with so that that can be determined or a factor can be determined. Okay, another very important thing is that um, before even attempting to leave the U.S., um, before even doing that, uh, we have to inform um, CBP through the uh, U.S. Census Bureau that we are leaving the country and uh, we need to, uh, you know, submit these uh, data elements as well as uh, as the Mexican custom uh, commercial invoice is required, uh, those same data elements must be transmitted uh, to the U.S. Census Bureau, and we must get an acknowledgement back stating that they have received that uh, that particular shipment leaving the U.S. and uh, we have uh, and we have to include that particular acknowledgement number or that particular reference that given to us by the U.S. Census Bureau in our Mexican document. So there you know that uh, since October of, of, of 2018, uh, when the DODA was implemented, 
the Mexican customs uh, is requiring for us to to uh, um, include the ITN number, which is the reference number given to us by the U.S. Census Bureau on our Mexican document. And what is the meaning of all that, friends? The meaning of that is that we are, uh, both governments are sharing data. The, so the integrity of the data that we're submitting to the U.S. must be in total compliance of what, we do, what, what, what we're supplying to the Mexican customs. So there you see that uh, both the governments are very um, aggressively looking forward to uh, try to er uh, eradicate any potential money laundering or any potential uh, fraud. Uh, so let's say, for example, that if I'm, I'm, I'm telling that uh, I'm declaring uh, to the U.S. Census Bureau that a particular tax ID is su supplying these products, and uh, I'm telling Mexican uh, government that that particular tax ID is the one exporting these products, uh, they must acknowledge that. They, they must confirm that that tax ID is totally valid. So pay attention to those data elements because that's crucial. That's important. Starting uh, October 2018, the, the data is being shared by, by both governments and they are checking. They are making sure that, that, that both declarations are totally, in a, you know, uh, are totally equ uh, equivalent, meaning that the data that was submitted to both countries are exactly the same. That's correct. That's, that's a good point is that uh, what's important to the customer base in the U.S. Uh, is to acknowledge the fact that a, an automated export system, uh, electronic export invoice or AES EEI transaction needs to be filed. And within that filing, the supplier, the, the shipper in the U.S. is the U.S. principal party of interest. So the U.S. principal party of interest, along with his tax identification number is being associated to that import pedimento and the tax ID reported. So that's the sharing of data and the comparison of data that's being that's being done by, by the Mexican authority to make sure that uh, what's reported on the AESEI transaction and the import pedimento is, is the same information because we're reporting tariff classification in both transactions. And so it's a comparison that, uh, that happens across the board. So thereafter, eliminating any fraud, any, any fraudulent transactions that happen. And this is a way this sharing of data is, is what's happening. Conversely, uh, with the imports into the United States, same thing. So now the DOLA contains the entry number. So that entry number, the mental number, are also being compared um, uh, extensively now. And, and it's for the same reason. They want to make sure that's what was reported to the Mexican authorities is the same that's, that's reported to the U.S. Customs Authorities. Okay. So um, now just to finish this, uh, I've been in Laredo for 25 years working as a custom broker. Back in 94, when I came in, uh, the new SAI uh, uh, system was implemented in Mexico. That was a major, major change. Uh, now in 2018, we're, suing, we're, we're seeing a tremendous change as well with the TODA and eventually the PITA. The PITA program is going to be in effect, uh, in theory, uh, in the radio by, by the month of May. And we will talk about it uh, lately, but uh, that, that also is going to take away paperwork, it's going to be, uh, uh, the information will be handled electronically. And there is a very particular requirement for the transportation companies. Uh, now, uh, what's going to open the door at the Mexican Custom Broker is not going to be my document, but rather the badge of the driver. 
the badge of the driver will contain a QR uh, barcode and it will be read uh, in the Mexican customs module. There will be no more customs officers in Mexico at the customs module, but rather it's, it's going to be just an electronic reader and uh, the badge of the driver is going to be the key to actually open that, uh, that he will present his badge and the system will let him know if it's going to be, uh, you know, going green, meaning uh, he, he can go all the way to Mexico or he's going to be uh, subjected to an intensive inspection. And, uh, you know, by then, we, the Mexican custom broker, we will have to uh, count with a proper name and uh, cab number and plates of, uh, of the particular tractor who's going to be doing the, 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 the physical crossing, along with the name of the driver. And that has to be totally uh, in compliance uh, because if we declare that, let's say that XYZ driver is going to cross the border and he, he doesn't show up, we cannot release that trailer. The, the name of the driver is, is going to be a key element that we will have to implement within the next three to four months. And that will be uh, also maybe a, a determined to what we have right now, which right. is... That, that's a good point. It's, it's now the, it's the evolution right, of technology in Mexico. So I talked about the sharing of data elements. Well, now they want to share driver cab information all in one shot. It's going to be one, Q, one QR barcode. Essentially, the driver will show up with his badge. It will be scanned at the booth. And that, that, that the scanning is going to associate the, the, the COVE uh, or pedimento number and it will associate, in the, in the case of U.S. imports, it will associate the entry number. On an inbound transaction into, into Mexico, it will associate the, I, the aforementioned AESEI-ITN number, and it will associate the, the COVE um, for the, the import pedimento. And it's all basically by reading the driver's badge. And so we're looking at May of this year for implementation of that process. The first phase was already released, which is the DORA process, the aforementioned DORA. Again, DORA relates entry, entry and COVE uh, on, on northbound transactions, um, ITN and COVE for Southbound. import transact, southbound transactions into mm-hmm. Mexico. So the next evolution is now carrier information and that will all come together. So it's the elimination of paperwork, paperwork reduction, we're an ACE, it's all a, it's all a paperwork um, uh, reduction um, uh, initiative by both governments, the U.S. And, and Mexico. And so this is the reality. This is now, and companies need to prepare uh, for, for this change in process. It is for imports to Mexico? And both imports both and exports for both. Exports, okay. Yes. So once it's implemented, it'll apply to both imports and exports. Like I said, it's all, we're already in the DODA phase that's still not mandatory, but, but now requires the, the, the transmission of, of, the, of both sets of document information. ITN and, and COVE, or um, COVE and entry number for import transaction to the U.S. Just to give an example, Juan Carlos, in the past, uh, uh, I have clients that have a, a pedimento up to 100 pages long. Mm-hmm. So I have this driver picking up these 100 pages along with him and going with his, uh, you know, with his cap, within his cap, having these these documents, and he will, he will have to go to the module. A customs inspector has to, you know, barcode it, and then he can just go in into Mexico. With the DODA, now he only has one page. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the DODA came to reduce uh, that 100 pages that I used to give him. It's only one page of the, you know, one, one document that he has, including all this information that Jorge was, 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 was mentioning. 
in the in the very near future, talking about maybe three to four months, it's not going to be it's going to be paperless. Yeah, one page is eliminated. It's now it's now a it's now a barcode reader of the driver's badge. Yeah, exactly. Badge. Yeah. So, so, so that's uh, the next step in the evolution. So and again, the importance of the question that Jeff made uh, is crucial to have uh, perfect data, uh, complete data elements uh, that we mentioned. Um, you can just you know go to uh, Mexican Customs Law in, in Google and, and check requirements on that rule 3.1.7, and it will let you know exactly what data elements are, are needed. Those elements are not are not uh, you know uh, they are mandatory. It is not that 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 you can skip one or maybe you can be uh, a, put that uh, tax ID number of the corporation. I, I mean, you have to be very specific of what you're putting there because it it can be uh, you know considered a, a, as a tax fraud. So we have to be very very careful. So data integrity is the name of the game to, for 2019 and of course for this this uh, year round. Counting with that data in advance, of course, it will make everybody's work easier. Uh, so m our suggestion might as well be uh, before attempting to go into Mexico, uh, get go to, to your logistics company, uh, have a meeting with them prior to, to the launch of this input program. Make sure that the, uh, that the combination of the logistics and, and the custom broker uh, advice are you know, put into effect. Uh, make sure that, that, that they audit this, this paperwork, meaning that uh, they will authorize everything that, that is going to be sent. Um, if it's going to be an inbound product, of course, there is other requirements. Jorge will talk about it later. If it's uh, if it's uh, an import in Mexico, I, I did mention that uh, you know you have to have an, a Mexican custom broker selected in advance. Uh, that process is not that like you just come to the border and then automatically you 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 can use whatever custom broker there is. In Mexico, there is a very specific uh, requirement to select a broker. I was uh, talking to Jeff, and I was telling him there, that there is about 800 Mexican custom brokers in the Mexican country. There is only 800, 800 plus minus. So uh, in order for you to select a broker, you have to go to a very specific process. Uh, and you have to you know, uh, go to SAT, which is Mexican IRS, and do a, a, a due diligence process. And uh, select, and that will take up to maybe 48 to maybe 72 hours. So it is not as just coming to the border and having uh, an automatic broker. That's one thing, um, having the broker now. Um, Jeff was asking me also about the ports of entry. Um, Mexico has um, ports of entry per state. Uh, we have like six states um, bordering the United States. Uh, and uh, within those Mexican states, we have different ports of entry. And those pertain to the to the particular state. In this case, for example, uh, for Nuevo Laredo, for McAllen, uh, for Brownsville, uh, for FAR, those uh, port of ports of entry are within the state of Tamaulipas. We have Colombia, which is in the state of Nuevo León, and then we have uh, Eagle Pass. Uh, we uh, have uh, uh, El Paso, which are uh, well, Eagle Pass is in Coahuila. We have El Paso or Juarez, which is in in the state of Chihuahua. So the Mexican uh, go by state, and I was telling them that the uh, Mexican custom broker has the lowest states uh, can only operate within four ports within the within the Mexican country. So the port of inscription plus three more ports. So the way we work in the Mexican countries, we we have to um, 
get associations, we have to get alliances with some of the brokers in order for us to offer the, uh, the, the service on a nationwide basis. Um, and that's the way we operate within the Mexican country. Thanks for listening to part one of the two-part series about Mexico border crossings. We'll release the second set of the series in two weeks. If you have any questions between now and then, you can find Fernando's contact information in the show notes, or you can email marketing at carter-logistics.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.